0: of that is they have a mess they can't fix. Normally, if, if people deviate from a contract, you can still, still go back and say, gee, I was supposed to you know, use this kind of steel, but in fact, I use that kind of steel. And so we'll, you know, we'll, pay, we'll sort out some kind of number to make up for the fact that I didn't do what I was supposed to do. With this, the, the, the whole deal was designed in such a way that it's extremely rigid. So you can't go do those kind of waivers that you would do in pretty much any other walk of life. Trevor
1: a, There was a time deadline, by which, a time
0: di- a time deadline that, by which things had to be done, and they deliberately picked – when they designed these securitizations, they deliberately picked that, that the trusts would be New York – again, this is very technical, but they d- deliberately picked New York law because New York law was so settled on the matter of the trust. The trust is kind of a legal box that the mortgages wind up in mm-hmm. the end. And New York law is extremely unforgiving. If you don't do things exactly as stipulated in the contracts, it doesn't work. And the contracts do not allow for anything to be done at this late date to fix them. So the result is that these mortgages basically did not effectively get into the box they were supposed to get into. That means when you want to foreclose, you open the box and legally it's empty. (laughs) Legally you can't. Legally you can't go back and say, oh, the mortgage, we kind of partly left it back somewhere earlier and now we'll transfer it in. Now that just doesn't work. And that's why we've had this big scandal with what's called robosigning, robosigning where the bank's were um, uh, not merely having people sign on an automated basis; they were actually making representations. The banks want to make, you, make it sound like it's just even the name "robo signing" makes it just sound like it's mass signatures, which is part of what it was. But there's another whole pattern which hasn't gotten the attention it deserves: that the banks were actually engaging in what amounts to fabrications and forgeries of various types, of putting dates, you know, backdating documents, of having things signed by. At banks that literally don't exist anymore to make things work or where they couldn't possibly have the proper approvals, where the person signing it could not possibly have gotten the authorization from the right party to make the signature they're making. So basically we have a whole huge pattern of, of fraud and forgeries to allow the servicers, who are the people who act on behalf of the trust, to do foreclosures. And that's, and that's such a large-scale pattern now that, it, that it's become undeniable.
1: So judges have become aware of this pattern of practice and are ruling in in more and more cases that the foreclosures are not valid as a that,
0: that is correct and that's a huge problem for the banks also. Now still there's still some judges that are very bank friendly so it's not as if this is happening universally but but the bank friendly judges tend to be, to the extent they're around are at the higher court level The Robosigning scandal led to a huge shift in the attitude of judges because before um, Foreclosure defense attorneys had been coming in and been pointing out these problems, and the judge's response had been basically, well, in many cases, been, well, the guy's still a deadbeat. It's, you know, somehow the money's owed here, and when they realize the judges take the integrity of the court very seriously, so. In their framework, the fact that that banks were submitting false affidavits, to them that's very close to submitting false testimony. Mm. And that's just such a sin that the presumption that the banks were right has gone away. And the judges have become very skeptical. They're now looking at the cases with a really jaundiced eye. And the result is that... That increasingly banks are finding it very difficult to get foreclosures through. I mean, in New York, which has gotten tough on two levels, in New York, the skepticism of the judges has become very high. And on top of that, they've, they've now have a um, standard in the courts that the attorney on the foreclosing side has to submit, basically it's a certification that all the paperwork is correct. And really, this is just a belt and suspenders. I mean, they should be submitting everything correct anyhow. But that, Certification makes it easier for the borrower's counsel to challenge a foreclosure. So procedurally, it's important because normally it's very bad form for the defense attorney to say, "I think he's pulling one here." Mm. Um, As a consequence, foreclosures in New York are uh, the banks are basically are still finding people delinquent. Uh, you know, obviously somebody's in default, they're in default. But the foreclosures are now so backed up that, that it would take literally 62 years to clear the backlog at current rates. And that, you know, uh, critics are liking to say, oh, that's the court's fault. No, it's actually the banks are holding them back too. The banks are holding them back because they know they won't, the New York judges won't stand for it.
1: And as I read to you your uh, blog, uh, one of the uh, attempts to solve this problem is in Florida where the governor is now proposing that they do away with courts as a way station for foreclosures and have so-called non-judicial foreclosures, right?
0: Right. And I, and frankly, I think that would be – I mean that doesn't mean there won't be an attempt to get that through. Um, the there's been